A hot topic is always going to be where to find a cheap boat to restore. I guess it's really going to depend on how much of a restoration do you really want. Places that I look at for a boat, I mean, websites, you're going to find Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, stuff like that. There is eBay, but I really don't think that you can find a cheap boat to restore on eBay, mainly because eBay is a company that is meant to make money and they make a ton of money just gouging everybody that puts stuff on there. I mean, you lose like 30% selling stuff on eBay of whatever you make. So let's say you sell something for a hundred bucks on eBay. Well, after you factor in all the charges and stuff, I mean, you might make 70 bucks, 65 bucks, something like that. When it comes to a really cheap boat, usually people are not trying to spend money in order to get rid of that boat. You might be able to find something on Boat Trader or um, something like that. But I think the best way in order to find a cheap boat to restore is going to be either one driving around looking for one. So just drive around in a place that it, you know, has a lot of boats, like it's close to the water or close to a lake. And you can usually find a house or a yard or a shop or something. And you can see a bunch of boats sitting around, or maybe you find someone that's got a boat that has clearly been sitting in their yard for a really long time. And you can kind of just go knock on the door. Obviously, you know, be careful walking up on people's properties, but knock on the door and say, Hey, you know, you want to get rid of that boat or something like that. And then just shoot them an offer, you know, and see what the deal is. When it comes to doing this, I think a couple of things that you want to make sure of are first of all, title issues. So you want to make sure that there's a clean title to the boat. Otherwise you're going to be putting in a lot of work and a lot of time, a lot of money into something that you can't even title when it's done. That's something that you don't want to deal with. Also, if it comes with a trailer, then you're going to want to make sure that you've got a title for the trailer or that you can register that trailer. Cause if you can't register the trailer, then you can't really use the boat. You can't sell the boat. You can't really do anything outside of buying another trailer. I mean, one of the issues that I had with my little boat was that exact thing is I, it was an older trailer. I mean, the boats in 1979, so who knows when or where the trailer came from. Obviously I had to put a bunch of stuff into the boat, into the trailer. I mean, I had to do, you know, the, the tongue jack, I had to do the winch, had to do lights, all that kind of stuff but there wasn't a tag to the trailer. So there wasn't a, you know, a VIN for the trailer. So I couldn't go down to the DMV and register it. Therefore I've got this boat on a trailer that I can't even take on the road. And so I took all the receipts, told them everything I did, showed them pictures of the trailer. And then I had to get the boat off of the trailer and take the trailer down to a way station and get it weighed. Then I took that back to the DMV and was able to get a title for it and then get the trailer registered. That's one of the things you want to make sure of is that you have a title or a way to register the trailer if the boat comes with the trailer. Now, how much of a restoration do you want to do? That's probably a better question than where to find the boat. Because like I said, you can go and look around at marinas and stuff and say, Hey, if you have a, do you have a boat here that hasn't been in the water in five, six, seven, ten 10 years? And a lot of marinas are going to say, yeah, that boat over there. And then you can ask them, you know, who owns it? Do you think they'd sell it? And they, the marina can contact them or, you know, maybe someone there at the marina owns the boat and you can kind of ask them if they're interested in getting rid of it. And that would be a way to acquire the boat. But how much of a restoration do you want to do? That's 
going to be the main question. Before I even consider the boat, I want to make sure that it's a boat that has value. You don't want to restore a boat that doesn't have any value once you get done restoring it. You know, name brand boats, good boats, older Makos, CVs, some of the yellow fins, um, Boston whalers, Parkers, like these boats have a good name because they have a really, really good haul that once it's restored, it has value because it's a really nice boat. You don't want to restore something that doesn't have that much value because it was a massive production line boat where let's say there's a hundred thousand of these boats out there that people can get a dime a dozen and you don't want to go and spend five, six, 10 grand putting all this effort and time and products into the boat to bring it up to snuff. And then, you know, now the boat's worth five grand after you put 10 grand in it. But I would look at five main things being number one, the engine, you know, if you've got a boat that doesn't have a working engine, then that is a massive expense that you're going to have to deal with later on down the road. You got to get rigging. If the rigging's not in the boat, you've got to get all the stuff that goes to the engine. So that could end up costing you five, 10, 15, 20, 30 grand trying to repower the boat. If the engine on the boat doesn't work and make sure that either you've got a viable engine or you've got a way to get an engine to put on the boat. Cause that's one of your biz biggest expenses. The next thing I'm going to be looking at transoms is the transom run, because if the transom is rotten, that's another big expense. Second thing, you're going to want to look at the stringers in the boat to make sure that those aren't rotten an integral part of the boat. And that would be a massive expense to fix. Then I would look at the fuel tank because fuel tank is going to be a massive expense. And then I would make sure that the floor is all good. You know, the, there's no soft spots. There's not an issue with the deck that you're going to have to cut it out and redo it because those are going to be the five things that are going to co cost you the most money when you're doing a restore, as long as the transom's not going to fall off and you got a decent engine, you can, you know, use a boat that's got a soft floor. That's not that big of a deal. Cosmetic stuff. That's something else that you probably don't even need to worry about as much because that stuff's all little, little things. You know, if the T-top canvas is cut or you got to do some restringing of it, uh, maybe there's a couple nicks on the gel coat, stuff like that. Those, that cosmetic stuff is not going to stop you from using the boat. So you can get a cheaper boat that's in rougher shape, but does that, does that play into what you're really looking to get? Something else that I think is probably, you know, a feature is going to be all the stuff that's in the boat. If it's got broken switches, if it's got, you know, older electronics, if it doesn't have a radio, all that kind of stuff, that stuff isn't really a factor in the cost of the boat. You can get a boat that has none of that stuff in there. And either you can put it in there or you don't have to put it in there. It's all about what you want, but that is going to be one of, one of your bigger expenses are the electronics and that stuff that goes in the boat. Or if you don't want to put that stuff in there, then it's not going to be a, an expense at all. Hurricane boats are something that people are starting to talk about. I mean, we just had a bunch of hurricanes come through. There was Idalia, there was Lee, there was a couple other ones that, just went through recently. So looking at a hurricane boat is another option. Um, I've done a couple of hurricane boats. Some of them can be a lot of work depending on what you want the boat to look like when you're done with it, or if you're just looking to have the boat just to use. So 
back to the cosmetic thing. If you're just looking to have a boat to use, as long as the engine's good, then yeah, you can pick up a hurricane boat, depending on what happened to the boat. So if the boat was fully submerged, now that's something that I probably would stay away from. You're going to have to deal with the engine being a big problem. You're going to have to deal with all of the wiring in the boat. That's going to be a problem. You're going to have to deal with pretty much everything. I mean, now is the hull water logged. You've got water in the fuel tank. Um, a fully submerged boat is going to be a big project. Now, if a boat just got washed away and let's say it was on a trailer and it got washed into some mangroves, let's say it got pushed up against a wall or something like that. And it just got all scratched up. That's cosmetic stuff. That's not the engine being underwater and the boat being underwater where all the wiring, the electronics, everything on the boat that is electrical is going to give you a problem down the road. Yeah, you can save the engines. I mean, we've gotten engines to work after they went underwater. The problem with that is, is now everything electrical on the engine is compromised. And depending on how you use the boat will depend on the reliability of that engine. So once an engine goes underwater, these days, I mean, it's not like we're talking about engines that are carbureted anymore, where you just clean out the carburetor and, you know, you've got some ignition coils, stator, stuff like that. Minimal thing, minimal electronics. Now you've got electronic throttle bodies, electronic shift actuators. You've got sensors all over the engine, super expensive computers that operate all the sensors and the shifting and the throttling of the engine. And once that stuff goes underwater, it's all compromised. You can clean it all off. You can oil the oil the engine and get it to run. Guess what? I guess what I'm trying to say is that once you clean it off and get it to run, a year from now, all those electrical components that went underwater are going to start failing. I mean, your computer, the throttle body, the shift actuators, all that stuff is going to start to fail depending on how long and how deep the engine was underwater. How much are you really willing to spend on the engine in order to replace all those electrical components? You don't want to be 30 miles offshore and have the throttle body fail or the computer fail and be adrift out there because you had this electrical component that was underwater. So that's definitely a factor that I would be considering is was the engine fully submerged? I mean, if you're on a lake and you're not going offshore, then okay, that's a different story because if something fails on the engine and you got towboat or boat US or something like that, you just have to have a bad day because you got to get towed back in. But if you're going offshore, that's a risk. That's a that's a safety hazard. There is no way, there's no test, there's no method, there's nothing that you can do in order to say whether the part is good or whether the part is bad or if it's going to fail or if it's not going to fail. That's just something to keep in mind with a fully submerged engine. You definitely don't want one that sat. If someone said that the engine went underwater and they pulled it out of water and now it's been sitting for a week, a month, two months, three months, that's a problem. You're going to spend hours and hours and hours chasing your tail with electrical problems, potentially mechanical problems. Your rings are going to be rusted. The valves are going to be rusted. I mean, a whole slew of potential problems to deal with that are going to exceed the value of the engine. Whereas once you count in the parts that you put on the engine, you could probably go out and find a used engine of the same 
horsepower, brand, all that kind of stuff, and just save yourself all the time. And then also, if the whole boat was sunk, then plan on rewiring it because they'll have transfer lugs or you know transfer junction bars. And then also, just all that wiring is going to be compromised. It may not be a problem, but it could be a problem. So you might as well just count on rewiring that. A lot of the a lot of the components, like say the bilge pump, float switch, that kind of stuff. You know, that stuff should all be fine because it's meant to live down in the water. Again, it's a 50-50. There's no test. You might be able to make it work. It might work for a week. It might wait work for a year. It might work for 10 years. You, you never know. If you're good with your hands and you know how to fix stuff, I mean, we have a whole boaters program that teaches people how to do all this stuff and then also gives you the resources to kind of figure those kinds of things out then those projects probably aren't as daunting and you can take the risk of whether the parts work or they don't work because it's not that big of a deal that the live well goes out a year after you have the boat and you have to replace the live well. That's part of owning a boat anyway. Now, when it comes to finding the hurricane boats, I think auction's going to be the best way. I've never even done one of the auctions. I've never gotten the auction boat from a hurricane boat. So that is something that I would like to do just to go through the process to be able to show you a little bit more of the process. But I know there's people that do that. So that's one way. The other way is insurance companies, but most of the insurance companies do the auction thing. So you kind of have to go the auction route in order to find that hurricane boat. Unless you find someone that has a boat that went through the hurricane, they can tell you about what happened and everything like that. Other than that, I think that's where you're going to find how to find the boat, what to look for. Now, the cost obviously goes back to everything that we talked about, whether if you got to do a transom, if you got to do a fuel tank, if you got to do an engine, those are your big things. Everything else is just going to be, you know, $100 here, $100 there, $100 here. And I think the best way to, to kind of figure in that factor is to look at the boat and as long as those top five are good, then you can go ahead and start looking at the boat and making a list. You want to go around the boat, make a list of all the parts that you're going to need, and then kind of take some measurements on the boat to see how much wire you're going to need if you're doing a rewire or anything like that. And then when you get home, you can just start looking on Amazon, looking at West Marine, trying to source all the components and things that you're going to need to do to the boat. That way you'll have an idea of what your total cost is going to be when it comes to putting the boat together and trying to restore it. I know I got a couple pictures here of a couple of people that have restored a boat. Um, Austin here, let's see, he's got a 16 foot Lund. He said he put three grand in the boat and it looks pretty rough. I mean, there's doesn't look like there's much going on here. Um, a Lund, I think it's an aluminum hull. Looking at the picture here, you got a bunch of foam in between the... I guess you'd consider those to be bulkheads, mainly where the seats are going to be. Yeah, once he took the, the console, looks like it was all rotten off. Had an old Johnson on there. I'm not sure what year this boat is, but wires are all just kind of strapped to the side of the boat there. The wood where you sit looks like it's rotten, and the whole console, I mean, that's starting to rot out. So once he got done with it, I mean, he did a really good job on this. Took that Johnson off, got himself a Yamaha. Really smart move and and set the fuel tank down into there and basically made it to where you can walk all the way around the boat 
made a console, carpeted everything. That's really slick. I mean, made made compartments there on the left and the right side of the boat. I do like that. I would like to see the, how the drain systems that he put in there is. And I wonder how much that changed the right of the boat. I'm sure it didn't change it that much, but moving that console forward, he moved the console forward. I wonder where he put the batteries. Austin did a really good job with that. I mean, for three grand too, that's not bad either. The 50 Yamaha was definitely the play. Now let's see. I got another one here to look at. This one was um, Kyle, a 1958 30 foot Owens. He didn't say how much he put into the boat, but um, this looks like a pretty big project. A lot of wood on that boat. Yeah, that looks like a big project. You are working with wood, so that's a lot better than having to do a ton of fiberglass. But now we got a couple of pictures of it in the water. A whole lot cleaner. So a lot, it looks like it was mainly a lot, of, a lot of woodwork, but that's just a couple of pictures that I have here. I mean, the boat looks really good once it's in the water. Totally different than a lot of the boats that I'm used to seeing, but it looks really good. It looks really good. Now, I didn't say how much the Owens was and i mean we kind of talked about this but coming up with the estimate and how i would come up with that estimate for doing a boat restoration time is something that is very very difficult to estimate on how long it's going to take something like if you've got to go to work monday through friday eight to five and then you're trying to do this restoration project from 5 30 to nine o'clock at night every night and then Saturdays and Sundays that can definitely be more difficult to figure out how long it's going to take. And then, you know, what all you're going to want to do going back to what I said in the beginning with the five different things being engine transom stringers deck and the fuel tank. If all five of those are good, then like I said, you can go and take a list and write down everything that you need. Does it need a new T-top canvas? Does it need to be wet sanded, compounded, stuff like that? Does it need new electronics? Does it need a stereo? Does it need rewired? Do all the pumps need to be replaced? Does it need a battery? What exactly does it need? Do you need a new dash panel? Do you need new switches for all your electronics? You're going to have to go through the boat with a piece of paper and a pen and make an actual list of everything that the boat needs. And then that way you can go home and start researching that stuff. Look on Amazon, look on eBay, look on everything to try and find out all those things that you need and put a price on it. And then you can get yourself a total of what your estimate is going to be and how much money you're going to sink in parts on the boat. But again, without the dedicated time to do it, it's going to be how big of a project are you willing to take on? Obviously, if you don't have the time, you don't want to do a transom. You don't want to do a repower because that's too much money if you have to replace the engine. If you got to do the fuel tank, again, that's a big price. So staying away from those or just estimating that. Now, how to get an estimate on a transom, how to get an estimate on a fuel tank, that kind of thing. On the fuel tank, you're going to need to look at the fuel tank and on the top of the tank, there's usually a tag. Some of them, depending on how the label was made, be careful when you wipe them off because you can wipe off the actual print or the ink that was put on there to show what the capacity is. Now, once you get the capacity of the tank, sometimes you have to take a light or a mirror and put the mirror down in there and use the light to kind of like try and see what that is and how, what the 
total capacity of the tank is, but generally it used to be like ten $10 a gallon. So for a hundred gallon tank, it was going to cost a thousand bucks. Depending on the access to the tank is going to determine the labor and cost of materials to actually replace that tank. You're going to need the fill hose, potentially a fuel sender. Some of them come with senders. Some of them do not. Depends on who makes it. A lot of times it has to be a, a welder that makes it like you need to get a custom made tank unless you've got a production line boat that you can get a production type tank in. That's basically going to be the way to figure out how much it's going to cost to redo that specific boat. Now, is boat flipping a profitable side hustle? Do you have a place to work on the boat? Do you have the tools to work on the boat? And then do you have the time to work on the boat? So those three things are kind of got, kind of going to factor in on whether it's going to be profitable to you or if it is not going to be profitable. For me, I've always had good luck, but I've always been working on boats all the time. Like that's my main thing. My main gig is fixing boats. So I have all the tools. I have access to the boats. I have access to the parts on the boats. I usually had time to do it. And if you're working Monday through Friday, eight to five, and you've only got your afternoons and the weekends, it could take six months, 12 months to do the boat. And that makes it not profitable because let's say you get a boat for a thousand bucks and you put six, seven grand in it, and now the boat's worth 20. Well, if it took you 12 months to do it, and you only made an extra, you know, 10 grand, 13 grand, it's hard to say whether that was profitable or not, because it took you 12 months to do it. You're spending your afternoons and your weekends working on it. Can you just find another job that you can work weekends or, you know, work in the afternoon and make 10 grand over 12 months, you know, that's, that's kind of where it factors into, is it profitable? Is it not profitable? Let's say you buy one for five and all you have to do is clean it up, replace a couple pumps and you're in it total for six, seven grand, but now it's worth 15. Well, if it only took you three months to do it and you can sell it and make eight grand and you can do that four times in a year. Well, now you just made an extra 24,000. And it didn't take the same amount of time of consuming every minute of your time that you're not at your nine to five, then yeah, it's going to be profitable. You just have to be very selective on what kind of boat you're doing and what boats you do. It's a lot easier to say no to a lot of boats than it is to take one on and find out later that it's not going to be a good one. It's not going to be profitable. And that's pretty much how I, how I did it. I just had the boats worked on them and it was very profitable for me. That's actually how I bought a house and kind of progressed through life was by having the boats because your nine to five is usually not going to be that profitable as far as like growing yourself financially, I guess you'd say. So for me, yeah, the boats was always, always the best side gig for me. And that's pretty much why we made boaters Academy that we have at boardingandboating.com. And we're actually kind of changing that. So it's no longer an academy. It's actually becoming a program and I'm actually building it out to be a bigger resource. So it's going to have more of connections, more features. There's an app to it right now where there's messaging. So you can even message me and we're really putting more into the resources and making it a bigger resource on how to save money, how to do all these projects. So if you do get yourself a boat and you want to get into flipping, when it comes to 
rewiring the boat and putting all new electronics and that kind of stuff in there. There's courses, step-by-step -step how to's that show you exactly how to do that. So, you know, if you want to check that out, that would be a way for you to cheaply get into doing the side hustle of fixing and restoring boats and then selling them and potentially make yourself an extra 10, 15, 20, 30 grand a year based on, you know, how much work you want to put into it and the boats that you have access to. You could pretty much take it from a side gig to turn it into your main gig and it can definitely be profitable if you're into restoring boats.